0: Welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the preseason preview podcast. I'm Owen Wharton, your host for this podcast miniseries, where I'll talk with several student journalists from a few of Georgia's opponents for the 2023 season. Next up is Quentin Corpule from Missouri, Georgia's ninth opponent of the season. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. We're happy to be here once again for another episode today. I've got a lovely guest hailing for the land of Mizzou. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Quentin Corpio. I am a rising sophomore at the University of Missouri. I am going to be one of two sports editors for the Maneater next school year, which is the University of Missouri's independently run student newspaper. Um, I got an invitation from Owen to come on and preview Mizzou, Georgia for uh, 2023. Um, uh, I'm super excited, and uh, thank you for having me on, Owen
0: absolutely man it's a pleasure I, I love this series it's been so much fun getting to talk to so many people and it's an absolute pleasure but let's just go ahead and jump right into it so i think most georgia fans will remember how that uh specifically how that uh 2022 2023 season uh specifically that uh, georgia mizzou game right i think i think they remember that game more than maybe any other game besides uh, that ohio state game but i think the curious part is what was the entirety of Missouri's season like? Um, just give me kind of some of the rundowns. What were some of the up and downs of their season as a whole? Oh, you want
1: to hear about downs? I should have, uh, I should have stretched before this. Uh, I got to prepare myself. Well, I think, uh, I think questioning the existence of God twice in the span of 30 minutes, you'd call that, as a, you'd call that a, a low, would you say? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so for some context, I am talking about the Auburn game. Um, That was, by far and away, that was my personal introduction to Missouri athletics, just because I didn't grow up in Missouri. I grew up in Maryland, and I was raised a Miami Hurricanes fan, because uh, that's where my parents met. And so, I wasn't even, like, I was never even around Mizzou growing up. So, this this past school year was my sort of introduction to Missouri athletics, and that was one of the first games I had covered, and... That was, um, that was, that's up there with fifth down. That's up there with the Jamon Moore fumble. That's up there with the crazy Nebraska deflection back in the 90s. That's up there for one of the most bonkers defeats in Missouri football history. Um, Harrison Nevis, Missouri's was All-American kicker, had made 91 consecutive kicks from inside the 20-yard line leading up to the field goal that he eventually missed. Um, and then Nathaniel Pete had carried the ball over 120 times, I believe, in his collegiate career before some ghost punched the ball out of his hand and had it roll out of the back of the end zone for a touchback. So that was definitely the lowest of the low. And then the Kentucky game was, I guess, the second lowest of the low because that was the game that saw the hotly debated running into the punter 40 yards away from the line of scrimmage rule. Um, That was recently amended. That was recently announced at SEC Media Days as, I guess, the Kentucky-Missouri rule. Um, so that was a low. And then the Wake Forest game wasn't super fun either, just because the game was a very low stakes. Um, and it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily a death by a thousand paper cuts, but Sam Hartman and Nate Parrot they're just so good. And even though Missouri was up in the second half, um, it just wasn't a very enjoyable game. Um, so those were the lowest of the lowlights. I, I should mention some highlights. So the South Carolina game was really great. That was probably the most complete game Mizzou had played all season against another sec team um and then the arkansas game was was really great um another really complete game that was the first game where brady cook was really let loose as a runner he ran for over 125 yards in the first half alone including over 65 on a single drive um so that was a ton of fun to watch um those were the two those were probably the two biggest highlights from last season it was um it was it was just a season of what could have been it was a season of what if if three or four things go right. Missouri's probably looking at an 8-9 win season. But unfortunately, they finished 6 and 7. Um and we can talk about the future of Missouri football in in a little bit. But um it was just a season of ah, they were so close, but no no cigar.
0: But yeah, no, I mean absolutely. There was there was a lot of highs, a lot of lows for Missouri last season. Um a little little bit of best of both worlds in in that kind of case, but Moving on into the offseason, I wanted to kind of ask, what's the current coaching staff looking like? Who's on on the staff? What might some of the changes been?
1: Sure. So uh, the head coach is Eli Drinkwitz. He is entering his fourth season as the head coach of uh, the Tigers. He came over from Appalachian State where he led the Mountaineers to a program record, I believe, 12 wins in 2019. Um, First three years have been very meh. I think that's a good word to describe it. Very meh. There have certainly been highs. There have certainly been lows. Um, I want to talk about the lows in a little bit and how they're not quite his fault. Um, but uh, this fourth year, um, even though he got a contract extension last season, for a lot of Missouri fans, they are considering it a put up or shut up season because they are very tired, or they're getting very tired of just being meh. Uh, especially considering a lot of missed, a lot of these missed opportunities over the past few seasons again what could have been um and again not, not all of that falls on the head coach but the head coach is the one leading the way um I do respect him however he has taken a, a lot of it's not necessarily that he's taken a lot of blame but he's been very honest about what's gone right and what's gone wrong and what can be better he's been very open and and just blunt about that which I do appreciate um but the one thing that can uh, keep your job stable is wins and Missouri hasn't had as many of those over the past few seasons as a lot of people would have liked them to. Um, so I think when we get into season expectations, people are going to expect eight wins. That, I think, is the cutoff for overall fan satisfaction it is going to be eight wins this season. We can get into their schedule a little bit later. But uh, that's kind of the state of Coach Drinkwitz at the moment. Uh, but people are, are generally pretty pretty optimistic, especially because he brought in an offensive coordinator for the first time. Uh, as head coach in Mizzou, he brought in, well, not just him, the organization. They uh, they brought in offensive coordinator Kirby Moore, who is the younger brother of Kellen Moore, who was a former Mizzou, uh, Boise State quarterback uh, on those great early 2010s Boise State squads. Um, he then was the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys and is about to enter his first season as the offensive coordinator for the LA Chargers. Um, so Kirby Moore is the younger brother of Kellen. Kirby just spent the last season as Fresno State's offensive coordinator uh, Fresno State put up really great numbers, uh, both surface level and, I guess, advanced PFF statistics. Um, him and Jake Hanner worked a lot of magic. Jake Hanner is obviously with the New Orleans Saints now. Um, but Fresno State's offense was super exciting, super creative, super fun to watch. And people just in general are very excited for a, a change in offensive play caller because the first three years of Drinkwitz's tenure here at Mizzou, he was the one calling the plays. And first few seasons, it was the offense was, was pretty good. It was above the national average in scoring and was generally fun to watch. And this past season, it just, um, the offense, it was very frustrating to watch. Um, I think that's the one word you will hear a lot of Mizzou Mizzou fans describe last season's offensive unit It was just frustrating, especially considering how much talent was on that side of the ball. Um, But uh, Drink, he he recognized the need for change in play calling, and uh, he brought in a guy that Sounds like he's going to bring some, uh, he's going to inject some life. He's going to bring a, a lot of positive energy to a unit that was lacking a lot of it last season. And then on the defensive side is uh, defensive coordinator Blake Baker, uh, coach previously at Louisiana Tech in Miami, Florida. Uh, he was a huge reason why Mizzou's defense took a massive leap forward last season. Um, he just was generally just empowering uh, individuals to go out and make plays themselves. Um, and we can get to the personnel in a little bit but he was super aggressive but not overly aggressive not like a wink martindale with the giants kind of aggressive where you're just blitzing all the time not necessarily that but um guys talked about it a lot last season too they just felt like they could just be free and make plays and he trusted his guys to do that and they did it at a very high level um so the coaching staff is looking pretty strong this year um those are the those are the three main ones the one big change being kirby moore coming in and calling the shots now on offense which people are are really really excited about
0: oh definitely and I mean if it's any if there's any consolation that people can feel good about I mean that brother connection especially on offense has been proven to be pretty solid I mean you look at the LaFleur uh Matt and, and and his younger brother who's Who's, who's an OC in the NFL. I mean, again, Kellen and, and Kirby now. I mean, you got you even got uh, Lincoln Riley and Garrett Riley, who's over at – and uh, the the latter brother over at Clemson. So, you know, that brother, that offensive brother connection has proven pretty pretty fruitful. So I'm assuming Missouri's looking for something out of that as well. Um, but, of course, Moore's going to have to work with a few guys. You know, he's going to have to work with a few players. Um, but with every offseason, especially the state of the, the way that uh, – college football is these days offseason is constantly changing rosters especially with the transfer portal so georgia fans are should be pretty familiar with uh one of mizzou's transfers but kind of detail me uh go through a little bit of uh specifically that one uh and then a few others that uh left the program whether it was the transfer portal or even the nfl
1: sure so the big one was obviously dominic lovett who transferred to georgia this offseason and uh while i was very sad uh, Georgia fans, I'll, I'll hype him up for you because Dominic Lovett is an exceptional football player. He c- was consistently able to separate downfield. He's super dynamic. You can use him both on the outside as an X, on the inside as a Y or a Z. Um, Mizzou used him on end arounds a lot. They stuck him in the backfield a lot. Um, and versatility is the name of the game, not just in football, but in a lot of team sports. And Dominic Lovett is exactly that. And on a Mizzou offense, that was lacking a lot of electricity a lot of just fun and a lot of poz- lacking a lot of positive energy. Dominic Lovett was one of the few sources of electricity, of positive energy. He made, to set up that Harrison Beavis should have been game-winning field goal, he made an insane twisting catch that a lot of the Georgia fan pages probably posted the second that he committed to Georgia. Is it, am I right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Is that twisting yeah, yeah, catch yeah, yeah. like the most played clip you saw?
0: Probably, yeah, I'd say so.
1: Okay. But um yeah, Dominic Lovett, he's he's going to be an immediate impact player for Georgia. You you guys have probably talked about him enough already, but um I just wanted to tell you from a Mizzou perspective he's he's exceptional. He's he's really great and he's he's a really sweet guy. He's a really nice guy. Um so I, I think y'all are gonna really like him. And then other transfers out oh Trajan Jeff cope That was the second one. Trajan Jeff cope the defensive end who was a uh, one of the most tenured Mizzou Tigers Last season, he transferred to Arkansas. He had a he had a bit of a down year. He had an underwhelming year comparatively to what I think people were expecting out of him. Um, but uh, I think he just saw a, another opportunity to, I, I guess, get meaningful playing time in a competitive college football environment. Now, the transfer from Mizzou to Arkansas, that's a little odd considering the rivalry between the two. Um, but nevertheless, um, that was the other big transfer out of the program. But other than that, we're going to get to additions in a little bit. Mizzou have retained a lot of players. They have one of the highest retention rates in, I believe, not just the SEC, but the country uh, on both the offensive and defense side of the ball. But those were the two main losses, Lovett and, uh, and Jeff Coat.
0: Yeah, honestly, get right into those, those retentions. Come on, who were some of the key players they brought back?
1: Uh, so they brought back pretty much the entire defense outside of Trajan and Jeff Coat. Um, and that's great because the defense was amazing last year. They were a nationally amazing team. Now, when you look at these retention rates across college football and you see like, oh, this team brought back, I'm making this number up, 80% of their starters. Well, you got to look at that team and how good they were last year and define whether that's actually a good thing that they're retaining a lot of their players. Like, for example, if Colorado brought back all 11 defensive starters, from their 2022 season. It's like, oh, cool, everyone's back, but they were also probably the worst team in college football last season. So, how much does returning players actually matter? Uh, well, we w- won't have to see that because they're all gone. But um, <laughs> um Mizzou is retaining a lot on both sides of the ball. Off, uh, defensively, I could go on and on about how great they were last year. I think it was especially refreshing because the defense had been very lackluster the past few seasons. Oftentimes it was the offense trying to make up for the defense. Last year was the opposite. Um, and I'll get to the offensive side of the ball in in a moment. But the defense, they're strong at all three levels. Um, look at the edges. They brought in Joe Moore from Arizona State and Niles Gaddy from Jackson State. Both look to be immediately impactful for Mizzou. And then on the interior, which is super strong, Christian Williams, who transferred from Oregon last year, Uh, Jaden Jernigan and Realist George Jr. just eating up space inside. They were eating up space all season long. And then you go to the second level, Tyron Hopper, he is going to be a day two, day three draft pick next year, as long as he stays healthy. He's super rangy, um, very instinctual, was always around the ball. Obviously, Georgia fans remember he was the one that – forced uh, the first of two Georgia fumbles in that first half on uh, Kendall Milton, just uh, always making heads-up plays, super reliable as that middle linebacker. Um, and then the secondary is arguably the strongest um, position group, honestly, not just on the defense, but on the entire Mizzou roster. Um, Ennis Rakestraw and Chris Avery strain could have easily gone to the draft last year and would have probably been day two, day three picks, but they chose to return this year and are one of the more formidable cornerback duos in not just the SEC, but the entire country. And then you look at the safety spots, Joseph Charleston and Jalen Carlisle are back for another season. They were rock, rock solid last season. And that was the other main loss I forgot about now that I'm thinking about it. Martez Manuel, um, he played uh, Mizzou's star position last year, which is a safety linebacker hybrid. Um, he got signed by the Chiefs as an undrafted free agent. Um, but he's getting replaced by Dalen Carnell, who everybody is really, really excited about. Not going to compare him to Brian Dawkins. That's unfair. Brian Dawkins was an elite NFL defensive back. But his style of play reminds me of Brian Dawkins. He had super hard. He's super instinctual. Um, and not only does he put together a lot of highlight plays, he's super-duper smart. He was always around the ball. He is afraid of nothing. People are super excited about Daylon Carnell. So that's the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. Brady Cook's back for another season. They brought in Jake Garcia from the University of Miami. Um, and then Sam Horn. Is the hot young, hot young, excuse me, freshman uh, that people were really, really, really excited about heading into last season are probably going to pine for him to start again this season. And then the running backs, Cody Schrader, Nathaniel Pete, Tavoris Jones, they're all back. Luther Burden is back. All the tight ends are back. Mookie Cooper is back. Um, and the offensive line, they brought in a handful of transfers Marcellus Johnson from Marshall, uh, Cameron Johnson from Houston. Um, they get back Javon Foster, who was an all-conference tackle. Um, lots of people are back. Missouri football is not back like that. Not back like that. Don't aggregate that. Don't you dare aggregate that. Uh, just a lot of the personnel's back, and a lot of that personnel played pretty well, so I think people are, are feeling pretty confident.
0: No, definitely, and, 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 and I know how good that defense was, and to get all that talent back. I mean, you said to it yourself, it's great to... It's great to retain, but when you're retaining talented players, it means even more. And Luther Burden, I remember a year ago, former five-star wide receiver. So I loved him coming out of high school and stuff like that. So especially with him playing in that Dominic Lovett role, kind of like what Drinkwitz talked about at SEC Media Days, there's a good chance he has a really fun season for Mizzou and and takes that offense to another level now with Kirby Moore in there. But, I mean, you talked a lot about additions. You talked a lot about who's leaving, the retentions, all of that stuff. So let's go ahead and jump right over to the spring. So obviously spring practice, spring games happening, but again, before you can even get to that spring game, you got to get through you got to get through practice. What were some of the rumors coming out? Who what names was who what names were kind of popping up? around uh the missouri community of who was looking pretty impressive
1: so the two guys that i've seen and i've heard that have been playing really well are mookie cooper and jalen carlize mookie cooper i think a lot of people are excited about he's stepping into that x role because luther burn is now moving in the slot they now need an outside receiver to fill dominic Lovick's void and that's going to be mookie cooper he reminds me a lot of sterling Shepard, not just at oklahoma but also in the nfl uh he's definitely a, a smaller guy but he plays bigger then his size, you remember the contested catch he had against Georgia, the 45 yarder. Um, that was surprised a lot of us in the press box that game because I remember Brady Cook throwing that deep shot, and I was like, "Ooh, that defensive back is noticeably bigger than Mookie Cooper. We'll see how this goes. And he won the jump ball. I was very impressed. Um, so I think a lot of people are excited about him. Uh he's the one he's one of the guys on offense that has been talked up a lot this offseason and then Jalen Carlisle on the defensive end uh, he's going to be one of the veteran leaders uh, especially in the defensive backfield um, again super duper rock solid um, especially coming out of the spring game where the defense dominated Jalen Carlisle was a big part of that so those are the two guys that I've been hearing uh, over the off season that have been talked about a lot Mookie Cooper and, uh, and Jalen Carlisle.
0: Gotcha and you just said it, it in that spring game the defense dominated talk to me about that spring game what were some of the kind of positional battles going into that game that might have been solved through just that competition that or not even solved but you think a contender emerged out of that
1: yeah I wanted to treat it like NBA summer league it's not like if you see someone playing good it's just this is merely what they can do this isn't an indication of what might happen in the future and if someone isn't playing as well it's just just a regular just a practice doesn't mean doesn't mean a whole lot that being said, the defense was awesome, like they they kicked butt the entire practice. Uh, Tristan Newson, who's young linebacker, uh housed a pick six. He uh, jumped a slant route that Sam Horn threw and uh, returned it for a pick six. That was the biggest defensive play uh, of the spring game um a lot of a lot of eyes were on Sam Horn and Jake Garcia, and uh they didn't look great now a lot of that was because the defense was making play after play after play um but it's naturally a little a little nerve-wracking to see them play like that. Obviously, with a transfer like Garcia, with a younger guy like Horn, you'd want to see them look really comfortable. You want to see them making plays. You want to see them creating plays for others and not just fo- necessarily following the structure of whatever is called on offense. Um, but I, I was taking it as the defense was playing exceptionally well. Um in terms of position battles, the one that had the most eyes on it was, I guess, quarterback. But Brady Cook didn't even play because he's still nursing the torn labrum he suffered at uh, early last season. But um, that's the main competition heading into heading into the fall is who's going to be the starting quarterback. Coach Drink said at SEC Media Day that Brady Cook is merely the incumbent amidst an open quarterback competition between him, Garcia, and Sam Horn. If I were to make a prediction as to who's going to win that job, I think it is going to be Brady Cook. Um, I would like to say that Jay Garcia offers maybe a higher ceiling than Brady Cook, especially because, I mean, I still followed Miami a good bit last season, and the offense was, I hate to editorialize uh, between two student journalists, but the Miami offense last season was a complete circus act. It, I, had never, I had truly never seen anything like it. And um, the, every game, I kept saying to myself, surely it can't get worse than last week. And then it did. And a lot of that was wide receivers running into nowhere, the offensive line p- playing poorly. Um, it, the, the Garcia and Tyler Van Dyke were both just not set up for a ton of success. And I want to say that Mizzou is going to be a better place for him succeed which it it, it is going to be you can't the the bar was very low with Miami last season but at the same time Brady Cook's I I I really like him I think his rushing upside is untapped and especially with a new play caller and more I'm excited to see what he's going to do in terms of utilizing Brady Cook as a rusher and throwing the ball he literally had a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder he could not use his throwing arm properly which it I don't know that's kind of a big deal so If I were to predict right now, I think it's going to be Brady Cook. Uh, Then again, it's an open competition, and we have seen uh, a lot of surprises uh, throughout college football and the NFL in terms of who's uh, emerged out of quarterback competitions and uh, who's been pushed down the depth chart. So we'll see. It'll be fun. I'm excited.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, Georgia fans can look just back a couple years during the JT versus Stetson Bennett debate, and... You know, comparing the five star to the walk on, and you know what, the walk on won the job in the end, and I think Georgia fans are okay with that walking away to national championships later. But I mean, I mean, overall, I mean, you touched on the quarterback battle, Brady Cook. I mean, all of that, and Drinkwitz taking his hands off the wheel, you know, and less of, and less of, uh, and and letting someone else drive. I mean, how how important is that going to be for these quarterbacks' development, and in your opinion?
1: Oh, paramount. I think the offense last season it was just. I think if you polled 100 Mizzou fans to so use one word to describe the Mizzou offense last season, other than frustrating, which I forgot I already used. Um, I think you'd hear things like stale, um, vanilla, boring. Like, I think those are three very common words. Mizzou, they, they found themselves behind the sticks a lot. A, there were a ton of second and 14s, third and 15s. Just, they they dug themselves into a lot of holes that were very hard to get out of, and a lot of times they didn't. Now, obviously, it's a lot harder to do offense when your quarterback can't use his throwing arm properly. Your offensive line is incredibly beat up, which I think is very underrated. They had to do a lot of reshuffling amongst the offensive line because of injuries, um, and it's just it's it's hard. It's hard to be very good offensively with with those variables. But uh, now that everybody seems to be healthy. Um, And Kirby Moore, I think he's just going to bring something fresh, something new, something exciting. If you watched Fresno State last year, uh, Jake Hayner was no Lamar Jackson. Um, He was not exactly a scrambler. He didn't do a ton outside of the pocket. But Kirby Moore drew up a lot of very fun and interesting and new and fresh and creative play calls that consistently kept defenses on their toes. Now, the Mountain West wasn't a very good conference last year, but... And like your your offense is going to look better against two win Nevada than it is against ten win LSU, but at the same time, um, playmakers were allowed to play make. Um, you look at Nico Remigio, Jalen Moreno Cropper, who's now a pro, he's who's now a pro. You look at Marvin Mims, who was an All Conference running back. Uh, a lot of the reason they were able to, in Moreno Cropper and Hanner's case, make the NFL, and Mims and Marie and case, make All Conference is because they were consistently put in positions to succeed from a play-calling standpoint. There was a lot of motion, a lot of, um, a lot of fakes, a lot of deception, a mix between um, just using all three levels of the field. Um, there were just a lot of threats everywhere, and more use them in different ways. He had a ton of tools in his tool bag, and I think people are really excited about what he can do with Mizzou's personnel, especially considering the amount of Swiss Army knives they have at the skill positions, especially with Luther Burden. Because he totally was used in the backfield a lot last season, which was great. I loved that a lot. Uh, they designed quite a few plays for him, whether it was quick passes, end arounds. There were a handful of times where Burden would get the ball on, let's say, an end around. There would be three defenders staying in front of him. You'd blink a couple of times. All three of the defenders were behind him, and Luther Burden was in the end zone. Um, he's just that kind of guy. He's he's truly incredible, and I'm I'm really excited to see what Kirby Moore is going to
0: do with him. No, it's going to be fun. And, I mean, as long as he doesn't do what, like, what Josh Gaddis did in Miami, I think everything's going to be okay. Because um, ultimately, ultimately, Gaddis did a did a type of job that got him fired after year one. So, I think, uh, I think as long as Kirby Moore uses what he's got, and he really did make Jake Hanner such a fun quarterback to watch. He was one of my favorites. A favorite out of like the top four or five guys in this past draft class to watch and study. He was just such a fun player to watch, and I thought I thought Moore did a great job with him. So it's, exci- it's going to be exciting to see what he does with the Mizzou quarterbacks and offense as a whole. But speaking of, let's hop right into this next season. What's the Mizzou schedule like? Who are they facing? Who are some of the tough teams on the schedule? It's SEC teams, but let's get into it.
1: Sure, do you wanna go like game by game or do you just general thoughts? What what do you, what do you wanna do? You're driving the bus here.
0: Let's go general thoughts. You know, give me some of the, the highlights, some of the stuff that you think is gonna be the toughest for Missouri and then maybe hit maybe maybe hit some of the stuff that you think uh Missouri should be able to clean through.
1: Sure. So um let's look at this guy. Okay, so I think there's a very real chance they open season five and zero heading into the LSU game in week six, in week six where they host the Tigers in Columbia. And maybe college game day will come. Maybe college game day will come. Just throwing throwing that out there. I'm manifesting. But um, the first five games they open with South Dakota. That should be a win. The second game is really interesting. They get Middle Tennessee State at home. Now, if you've followed Missouri football for a little while, you might know that Middle Tennessee beat Missouri in 2016. Um, And Middle Tennessee beat Missouri just like Middle Tennessee basketball beat Michigan State in 2016, just like Middle Tennessee basketball beat Virginia in 89. Whole lot of offense. Lots of offense. Explosion. Deep shots. Speed. Fast. Ah, ah. It's so much. So fast. In such a short amount of time. Middle Tennessee smashed Miami last year. You want to know how they did it? They literally just ran past their defense. The wide receivers literally just ran past everyone. And that was the same day as Missouri-Auburn. It was the same day as Missouri-Auburn. I was fighting for my life on live radio, trying to break down what the hell had just happened. And I look over out of my, the right corner of my eye, and Miami's down 24-3 to to Middle Tennessee. Not a great day for you, truly. Back to what we were originally talking about. That could easily be a trap game. Um, the reason why Middle Tennessee beat zoo in 2016 Missouri's defense did not step up. Um, Their tackling was poor. They committed a ton of penalties. It was somewhere between 12 and 15. I can't remember the exact number, but it was between 12 and 15 penalties for over 100 penalty yards. If your fundamentals are poor, Middle Tennessee will capitalize. However, Missouri's defense has come a long way since then, and I'm pretty confident they will have a better shot at beating the Blue Raiders uh, this year than they did in 2016. Uh, Then they get Kansas State. At home, and I think like last season, that game can easily set the tone for the rest of the season. I have seen very few games take the wind out of a program's sails, like when Mizzou went to Kansas State last season. Um, that forty to twelve score is a bit of a lie because that last touchdown to make it forty to twelve was scored by Mizzou with I think under twenty seconds left. So in my mind, it was really forty to six. Um, that was just a really disheartening loss. And it was, it was a real gut punch. So Mizzou's looking to bounce back from that this season. Then they travel to St. Louis. They play Memphis. Um, they've been a consistently good group of five team for the past few years. Um, so that, they cannot be overlooked. But then they, uh, they go on the road to Vanderbilt. And uh, with all due respect to Nashville, that is definitely one of the easier road environments to play in. If you were to pick a road environment to play in, in the SEC, Vanderbilt would probably be your top choice. That speaks more to how amazing SEC environments are rather than Nashville, because Nashville is a really cool city. Um, then they get LSU at home. That's going to be a really tough one. Uh, they go then go on the road to Kentucky. Um, that's a very winnable game. They get South Carolina for their homecoming game. They travel to Georgia, home Tennessee, home Florida, at Arkansas. So that last half of the season might be a little bit of a gauntlet, especially if Georgia and Tennessee live up to preseason expectations, Um, and especially if South Carolina um, can keep last year's momentum rolling, especially if Spencer Rattler is really let loose as a passer. Um, But me personally, I think the ceiling on this team, I would say nine wins, because I think in order to beat LSU, Tennessee, and Georgia, something out of the ordinary would have to happen. Uh, that's, That's how I will put it. Um, but every other game on the schedule is very winnable. So I would probably put the ceiling at nine wins. If Mizzou gets to nine wins, everybody is going to be extremely happy.
0: Gotcha. And, and we'll even get to more reasonable and, and, and other expectations like that. But before we go to reasonable land, let's get a little bold. Let's get a little spicy here. Quentin, give me give – me, it, it can be about Mizzou. It can be about the SEC. It can, about, it can be about the entire season as a whole. But give me one big take that you've got for this upcoming regular season.
1: Is this going to get circulated on like uh, those clickbaity college football accounts that always have several hundred comments underneath them within 30 minutes of posting. It's like this freaking kid, this freaking kid, this kid.
0: It depends. It depends what other people think about it, but you know what? That's why you got to give me the big takes. You got to give me some bold here.
1: Okay. All right. I'll set the scene for you. December, 2023, New York city. Can you see where I'm going with this?
0: I I think I can, but continue.
1: It's Caleb Williams and Drake May. Looking spiffy. Looking fine amidst a crowd of people. Also looking very spiffy. Top two picks in the draft. Who's it going to be? But sitting to their left. Decked out in black and gold. Looking spiffy. Luther Burden. Jeremy Macklin times five. The train's leaving the station soon. You better hop on
0: that's I mean that's perfect I mean that's that'll that'll absolutely I mean if there's anything that is going to make those those hype accounts on Instagram it's that one I'm like I'm like
1: how what percent serious am I I'm like 20 percent serious about that but you wanted spicy I gave you spicy I don't like when people are like all right give me your hot take and it's like I think Georgia will win 11 games that's that's so that's like Cholula that's Cholula you wanted, you wanted like, you wanted, you wanted some Carolina Reaper. I gave you, I think I gave you some Carolina Reaper.
0: No, you absolutely did. No, Georgia winning eleven games is like mustard. It's <laughs> that kind of hot take. Like, 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 Okay, yeah, sure. Maybe they lose to Tennessee. Like, okay, sure. But like, no. I you gave me that was perfect. Do you Excellent. want like,
1: do you want like levels of hot take? Do you want like how they do it on hot ones, where you like start with like a like a mild and then you end with something that like might put you in a hospital?
0: Honestly, I think, I don't think we even needed to go through levels one through nine. Oh, we, we just, we, we just shot right. straight
1: to the, the last dab. Okay.
0: Oh yeah. We shot right to the last dab and I'm okay with that. And right, I loved cool. it. It was perfect. Sounds good. But awesome. don't worry. You know, let's go ahead and go back down. You know, let's go back to reasonable land. You know, who knows? Hey, listen, we're just a couple seasons removed from Devonte uh, Smith winning a Heisman as a wide receiver. Anything's possible, especially with the way college football is going and with a new offense. Hey, it might just be possible, but again. Let's go. Let's settle the expectations down a bit. All right, you you've given us a ceiling of nine wins. We went through the entire schedule. What are like? Give me. Go ahead and give me. In addition to your nine win ceiling, what do you think the floor might be for this team? And what do you think the record will be? What do you think your record prediction is for this Mizzou team?
1: So I would say like the floor is probably five wins. That's if like, the Middle Tennessee game is what it was in 2016. Um, they get shellacked against they. Kansas State shellacks them again. They struggle against Memphis. Um, they struggle against Vanderbilt. Like just no, nothing coming easy. Uh, just no easy comfortable wins. Um, I think the ceiling. Again, nine wins. That's probably what I would put it out. I think ten is. I mean, I just said Luther Burden might win the Heisman Trophy, but I think ten wins is a little ambitious. So, I. Ah, uh, because I'm usually a jinxer. That's the problem. That's why I don't really speak during sporting events I care about. I'll go, I'll go seven, I'll go, I'll go seven wins. I'll go seven, I'll go seven and six on the season. The toss-up games will go 50-50. I don't think it's going to be like the Vikings last year where they will literally win every toss-up game they play. I don't think it's going to be that, um, But I feel like if I say eight games, they're going to win seven. I feel like if they're going to win, I feel like if I say seven games, the probability of them winning eight is going to be a little bit higher. Um, What do I have to support that? Nothing. Nothing at all. Simply just gut feeling. And uh, it's just Missouri football has been a historically not super duper lucky program. Um, And I don't want to predict that it's going to change suddenly one year so i'm going to go with seven wins um i would love to say eight i think an ideal season again would probably be eight and five with a bowl victory i think a season like uh, you think of miami in 2016 when they went eight and five and they beat a ranked west virginia team in the or in the not the orange bowl what bowl do they play in i can't remember but they beat a ranked west virginia team in the bowl game positive momentum rolling into the 2017 season and the 2017 season happens, it was awesome. It was great. Now, it wasn't just because they won a bowl game the season prior, but it was positive momentum rolling in the next season. I think that's probably all Mizzou fans would want to ask for, especially because Mizzou hasn't won a bowl game in almost a decade. Um, But I'm going to go with with seven wins, although eight is definitely possible.
0: Definitely. I I think that's perfectly reasonable. And you, and, and at this day and age, especially in the SEC, I don't think you can complain about seven or eight wins, especially that gets you in a bowl, that gets you in an opportunity to to be playing for something more than just a, a strong regular season. So I don't think Mizzou play, fans can complain too much about that kind of season. But uh, Quentin, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. I loved all the Giants references as a longtime Giants fan uh, growing up. Dropping Wink Martindale and Sterling Shepard into a conversation is always a great thing to hear. So Um, But overall, but before we get out of here, uh, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to go ahead and and plug whatever you'd like to plug and uh, take it away.
1: Oh, oh, and you shouldn't have. Oh, you shouldn't have. Okay. Well, if you want really great sports coverage, we are going to have that this year at themaneater.com. So once again, themaneater.com, that is the independent student newspaper of the University of Missouri. Uh, If you also want to check out some columns, some radio shows, Uh, You can head on over to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. That is our student-run radio station here for the University of Missouri. And then I am writing for Rock M Nation, which is Missouri's SB Nation affiliate. Um, I will be covering Missouri athletics for them throughout this entire season. Uh, I am actually currently in the midst of writing a Giants-Mizzou hybrid article, believe it or not, because everything seems to come back to the Giants. Um, but, uh, I will be posting that soon. Uh, it is in relation to Brady Cook and Daniel Jones, so I'm super excited about that. And I think that is all I have to plug, but, Owen, oh, this was really, really fun. Um, maybe Mizzou can get Georgia this year. That would be really, really great. But, um, nevertheless, I appreciate, uh, you having me on, and, uh, I wish you best of luck, uh, through this, uh, next school year. Hopefully you, uh, won't drop down deep into the depths of, uh, winning only 10 games. Um... Hell, uh, I hope you don't win seven games like uh, some players suggest. Uh, or, or is that is that still going around? Or are there still people being like, people picked us to go seven and five? Is that still a thing?
0: Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, even Kirby Smart talked about it was like, oh, you guys, you media guys were, were pushing the seven and five thing on us last year. And, you know, I mean, it's a thing, but it's not a thing. You know, I think it's all dependent on each player and how they view everything. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, all that fun stuff. It's it it can be a little wacky, it can be a little goofy, but I think, you know that. I mean, they found. Then listen, if they need to rely on seven and five to win twelve games in national championships, ultimately they got to do what they got to do to get that done from that player perspective. So I'm not gonna fault it. But um, before I go back to you, um, did you want to shout out your Twitter at all?
1: Oh, that's I guess pretty important. So you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Quentin Corfu. Q U E N T I N. C-O-R-P-U-E-L. Um, I'm going to start posting more frequently. Um, I just, I had, up until coming into college, I wasn't really on Twitter until I needed to be, but, uh, hopefully I'll, uh, start posting more stuff this season, especially because our coverage of Mizzou Sports is going to ramp up a lot, hopefully. Uh, I'll probably start po- by posting my Immaculate Grids, just to have, just like a nice starting point of consistently tweeting, um... But uh, yeah, uh, Quint- at Quentin UL on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's the same username, at Quentin um, I'll be posting my articles, anything I edit, write, um, anything that I think is great within Mizzou student media, I will post on there too. So yeah, go follow me. I will hopefully produce some great content. And we're looking forward to a really great school year here at the University of Missouri.
0: Absolutely, man. Thank you so much once again for joining me. This was an absolute pleasure, and I'll be keeping an eye out for that uh, that, that Giants-Missouri uh, uh, crossover for sure. That sounds
1: good. Thank you, Owen.